Join the big show Friday from 3 to 6 at the warehouse at 85 East University Parkway in Orm. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Kirk Craigthorpe, Salt Lake Tribune, joining us, covering the University of Utah until the day after the Alamo Bowl, and then hanging up the notepad. Kurt, good morning. Morning. Before we talk Utes, and I do want to talk Utes and Alamo Bowl, have you thought about this, or have you talked to people, you know, maybe somebody like Dick Rosetta, who you worked with for a long time, has been retired for a while. I'm assuming that when you retire... There's going to be, you know, a couple days after it feels like a weekend. A week after it feels like, you know, you've taken a vacation and you probably take seven or ten day vacations, you know, throughout your career. At what point does it really feel like you're retired? Yeah, it's interesting. First of all, I thought that my appearance on Talking Sports Sunday night would give me some job offers. <laughs> People learning that I'm a free agent. Uh, the phone has not been ringing, however. So I so- do intend to keep. Holiday moratorium. Holiday, holiday moratorium. Don't worry. So you're saying that January 2nd I can be on alert? Exactly. Okay. I'm, feel, I'm feeling better then. Yeah, I definitely need to do something. I'll be doing some stuff for uh, Utah Golf Association, Fairways Magazine, and various things like that. But, yeah, uh, it, it is interesting. I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of all, or getting a sense of what it's like for athletes to retire that, for 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 a couple of days, people tell you how great you were, and then they, you find out how replaceable you really are. Okay, wait a second here, Kurt. So my appearance on Talking Sports, and then he follows it up that you can find out how replaceable you really are. This is some serious undertones that you are aiming for my job on Sunday nights. Why don't you just come out and say it instead of beating around the bush here? You're on to me, and I, I do plan to spend the next 10 days just shouting into the mirror and, and seeing if I can uh, get to your level. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> talking with passion. Don't confuse shouting with talking with passion. There's a big difference. Shouting into so the see, mirror. See, that, that proves that I do have a lot to learn. You're exactly right. Shouting in the mirror and just fogging up the bathroom. That's awesome. All right, let's get to the Alamo Bowl right here. As you dig into this uh, deeper, I think we know a lot about the Utes, but Texas, obviously in a different league, not uh, not playing out in this part of the country, not seeing them a lot. They're not an elite team. So as you dig into it, what do you learn about them that you didn't learn because you didn't watch them every week? Yeah, I, I think it kind of confirms a lot of the impressions I have had throughout the year of them. It, it stereotyping as we do, it, it just looks like a typical Big 12 team to me with, with a dynamic offense and a lousy defense. And now maybe the fact that the other Big 12 offenses are very good accentuates that. But uh, the, the fact that Texas fired its defensive coordinator creates an interesting variable in this game. And But, yeah, I just, I just think, uh, as we talked about Sunday, Utah's going to have to score a lot of points to win this game, and it, it should be fun. What do you think the motivation level is? Because it seemed like in that second half in the Holiday Bowl, they kind of packed it in last year. Yeah, that's always a question, and, and the three of us have talked about how uh, the Pac-12 championship game loser never has gone on to win the bowl game. But clearly... 
begin the Holiday Bowl, that was not an issue for Utah last year. They were ahead 20-3 to at halftime. We were all composing these stories about how it fit right into the history of Utah doing so well in bowl games. So I don't know if, if they suddenly lost their motivation in the second half. They, that was just a crazy sequence of events. They turned the ball over on four consecutive possessions, I think. One was uh, a strip sack for a fumble that was returned 90 yards, and that just totally changed the game around. And uh, Utah couldn't quite recover. So it probably, again, was not a motivational issue, and I do think Utah will be motivated for this game. The question that I really have is, is how they can put together any kind of secondary that can deal with Texas's offense, though. So, I mean, you take away Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman, two of their five best players and probably two of their three or four most important players. And, uh, yeah, it, it, they're, they're destined to give up a lot of points, it sure seems like to me. So you know that Kyle Whittingham has talked to the offensive coaches and coordinator Andy Ludwig and said, hey, we need long ball, we need a lot of ball control drives here, eat up time on the clock, put their offense on the sideline, don't let them establish a rhythm. That comes down to the question that uh, is the offensive line going to be better than it was against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game because they couldn't run the ball and sustain drives. Are they going to be able to in this one and, and keep that uh, offense on the sideline for stretches so that you know 20 minutes of real time they're standing over there doing nothing? Yeah, that is a big question. And, and certainly one of my long-held theories is football is not like golf. It's not just how you play. The other team has something to do with it. And, and I, I knew going into the offense title game that Oregon's defense was better than we might have been giving it credit for, particularly up front. And and yeah, to your point, Utah's offensive line did not play well, as was evidence on the very first drive when they couldn't get third and one or fourth and one. And that even was a bit of a season-long problem, as successful as they were offensively overall. So I think it is an important bounce-back game for that offensive line, and Circling back to my original thought, the Texas defensive line won't be like Oregon's. They should be more successful. And and I think that Zach Moss goes into this game with a legitimate chance to get the 161 yards he needs for the single-season rushing record, which is about the only one he doesn't own as he exits. And so that, that'll be a fascinating part of that game. Clearly, the two elements of Utah's team that I'm looking at are the offensive line and the secondary in this game. This is an impossible question to answer, but as you reflect upon 30-plus years, what are some of the best memories you take from it? Yeah, I've been anticipating that question for several months, and I don't have an easy answer to it as you would think I would, but I kind of think that my niche was kind of the, the offbeat kind of things like, for example, uh, the Jazz gave me a parting gift. I assume they're actually waving Jeff Green, and uh, he wore number 22, and I was the curator of the curse of number 22 from these 41 years of the Jazz being in Utah, going back to players who have won that worn that number like John Drew and Gary Scurry and Curtis Borchard and 
<laughs> whose careers did not end well here. So uh, that's one more. But yeah, that's that's just a way of answering that question. I I kind of prided myself on thinking of things that other people didn't think of. Now, sometimes I was too far off the track and uh, didn't do the, the stick to the stay inside the box uh, enough. But uh, stuff like that was always fun. And, and I think about like when Utah played in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. I drove over from New Orleans to the town of Utah, Alabama. L-U-E-U-T-A-W and found the mayor and did a story on how what people in Utah thought about the Utah playing the Crimson Tide. Stuff like that is what stands out more than the, the huge events. Maybe because I was a, the sports editor for a while and missed out on the NBA Finals and the, and the Final Four and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I, I, had, I had fun... Uh, as a conservative of a and traditional and historian oriented as I am, I had fun doing some offbeat things. Kirk Crackthorpe, Salt Lake Tribune, join us. So PK was born for questions like this one, and I asked you this on Sunday night on Talking Sports, and you've got it. I want you to dig into it a little more here. BYU, Utah, and Utah State football programs during your life career, because your dad was coaching at BYU, so you were there before you started your 40 years of writing. So you've seen all three of these programs go from nothing to something. Different levels, but they were all way down, and they all got way up. Which one was the most unlikely? Yeah, I... I yeah, as always happened, and, and this will be true even after this interview. Every, every time I'm, I'm, I'm on, on TV with you or on the radio with you guys, I, I think about the ten things I should or shouldn't have said after I hang up. But, but yeah, that that was that's a pretty provocative question. The one that I would eliminate first is Utah, because people from Fred Whittingham Sr. to Ron McBride to, to others observers over the years have always said that Utah football was a sleeping giant. And uh, and when Kyle Whittingham had the choice between BYU and Utah for a head coaching job, he remembered what his late father had said about Utah being a potential gold mine. So, so I think that's the least surprising just based on what people always thought Utah someday would be capable of. The BYU thing is, is probably – more underappreciated now that I look back on it. I mean, you think about the fact that before Lavelle Edwards took over, Utah's record against BYU was something like 37-5-4, and and then he did what he did. I mean, not just in the rivalry, but obviously in, in building something of a national brand. So, so given the... The fact that that all that happened basically 40 years ago kind of tends to devalue it, and uh, and there's a generation of BYU fans who think they've always been good or or should always be good, and so so the more I thought about that question, I, I I'm tending to swing back to BYU, but the more recent phenomenon, and I actually when I returned to writing after being the sports editor, I, I covered Utah State in the early 2000s when. I think I think one season was independent and one season was in the Sun Belt, and at that time I just remember thinking this is just totally hopeless. They they can never uh, compete 
with with anybody, much less BYU and Utah. And for the and they kind of got a break in that, and they were able to get into the wax in, in those last couple of years when when Boise left and and they had a great opportunity and and had that great season in 2012. But uh, but again, I did not see that coming at all. I thought they should probably think about dropping down to the Big Sky, the FCS level, and and do it that way. So for them to become a, a legitimate contender in the Mountain West is something I certainly never saw coming. Now you've survived and thrived, and you go out to a degree on top in the newspaper business. As you look ahead, what do you anticipate for the newspaper business? Yeah, I, I, I'll speak to the overall thing. I, I just think it's it's harder for newspapers to have a distinguishable voice in the marketplace. Uh, even even if you have a brand name like the Salt Lake Tribune, it's, it's still hard to. You rise above all the ways that there are to get information. So I, I do wonder about that. I do think the Salt Lake Tribune's strategy of becoming a nonprofit organization is really clever and creative and, and has a chance to succeed and maybe help prop up the whole industry for a while. And I think about this, the young talent that's in that newsroom, not just in sports, but throughout. It's really remarkable the people that are still coming into the business without knowing what the future is going to look like. So I'm really hopeful for them, but it's always going to be difficult for newspapers to to have the niche they always enjoyed. And uh, in that sense, I'm, I'm lucky I've made it this long or was born when I did to have the opportunity to do it as long as I did. So apparently you're going to go into retirement and try to get one of the toughest tickets there is. It's one thing, you know, I mean, the Lakers play 40 games a year, right? The Patriots play eight with playoff home games, usually nine or ten home games a year. But you're going to go to Germany to see a play that is produced once a decade for 350-plus years? That's That's got to be a tough ticket. Yeah, l- luckily uh, they uh, it stretches over – months and months that they, they put it on every night but but yeah it's it, it's a pretty expensive proposition so uh yeah everyone expects me to, to jump on a cruise ship uh january 2nd but i still have to save up for that uh germany experience in july well good luck with retirement and all the traveling and uh hopefully we'll still stay in touch as you write uh part-time and stay on the local sports scene thanks a lot kurt No, I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Kurt Craigdorp, Salt Lake Tribune, going to cover the Alamo Bowl and then work the day after and then off to retirement. It's like uh, the turning of a page, PK. Kurt's been a fixture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been a fixture in my life. He's about as steady as they come. We, uh, I think we've repeated it. I don't know if you said it on television the other night, but he was the guy who hired me, literally came out to the airport and offered me the job at the watchdog, and obviously I said yes, and so that's a major influence uh, on me for sure. He's done a lot of different things, and he's a humble dude. And that's one of the things. Easily the most organized guy that I've ever worked with in the business. 
I mean, he just had everything down. Nothing would slip past him. His organizational skills were off the charts. And his ability reminds me of Scotty in a lot of ways when there's all sorts of chaos around. His ability to stay calm and analyze the situation and let it play out a little bit and good things will happen rather than just jumping to conclusions and shooting all, uh, you know, whatever that expression is, all out, out of the hip or you shooting know what I'm talking about, which I – from the hip, thank you. I had a tendency to do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've gotten better at it, but ten, tendency to overreact to situations, and it's gotten me in trouble in my personal life way too many times. And Kurt always could analyze the situation and figure out what was best and, and, and go with that. And, and you know, he waited right to the end. There wasn't this pre-prolonged deal where he was going to announce his retirement. He's known for months and we've known for months so i haven't said anything publicly i mean he had a great line after the uh utes lost in the coliseum to sc i gave him a ride back to the his hotel by the airport and he said oh my gosh it looks like i'm going to end my writing career at the sun bowl you know and that was in september and because he was joking that the utes lost the game and that's kurt's way of Hey, let's not overreact here. They lost a game, but you know he was making fun of it. I'm going to end it because he knew he was retiring at the end of the year, and he knew that the Sun Bowl was on the 31st, much like the Alamo Bowl. The Sun Bowl goes earlier in the afternoon, and then the uh, later in the uh, early part of the evening is the Alamo Bowl. But he basically kept it to himself, or kept it a secret, at least from the public, and then he just kind of just slips it out there right at the end. Very humble guy and a lot of talent. Absolutely a lot of talent. I learned a lot from him over the years. I mean, I worked with him shoulder to shoulder for 14 years at the Tribune. And he's the expert on the number 22, Morris Allman and yeah. Curtis Borchert. <laughs> he does like that offbeat he stuff. He does. He does which, like that. You know, I think it's, it has a role, and I don't know who's going to – he hasn't been able to do that as much his last couple of years because they slid, slid him down to column, or from columnist to uh, reporter because they – you know, they had budget cuts there. But his role as a sports editor was very much underappreciated because he had to put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> and I used to look at him thinking, oh, my gosh, thank Better. goodness. And I was assistant sports editor for a while. Uh, I would never want that job. And then his, his finding the unusual to write about and doing it in such a clever way, I think, is a skill that in my 25-plus years in the market here in Salt Lake, I have never seen anybody do. And I've certainly never seen as anybody do it as well, but I literally haven't seen anybody else do it at all. So he's going to be missed. DJ PK reminding you, Verizon customers, if you were recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They've got a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. Big Show, Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. It seems as though Donovan Mitchell is edging in that go-to guy direction. Oh, absolutely. He has all the tools to be that Dwayne Wade type of player at end of games. He's got the talent for it. We forget just how young he is. It takes time to really develop that. Go back and watch Kobe Bryant in his first two or three years. He was taking end of game shots, but he was missing a ton of them. It took him a long time. The fact that Donovan Mitchell edging towards that type of player right now votes really well for his ability to do it in the near future and certainly in the next few years as he grows with his team. 
Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I thought we got tired. We had some really good looks. Um, they trapped us, um, but you know, a couple possessions early, maybe we didn't handle it as well as we could have. But you know, we got we got good looks, um, and that that's what you have to do when someone's going to double you or whatever the recognition was in the reads. But you know, I thought we got a little tired, uh, and then not getting stops doesn't give you an opportunity to score for your defense. Quinn Snyder, Jazz coach, after the Jazz losing Miami, the five-game winning streak is over. What are you chuckling about? Uh, Yox called it the Jazz the way I call it. The way Carl Malone calls it the Jazz. <laughs> the Jazz. So my in-laws actually pointed that at me, out to me the other day that I've started coughing you when I call, say the Utah Jazz. I don't know why. I just picked it up, I guess. The Jordan Clarkson deal is official now. All right. The email's out. But what comes next? Will he be ready to go? He comes in and starts scoring off the bench. (laughs) Helps the (laughs) 21st-ranked offense in the NBA. I don't understand why people would think it's a bad deal. I'm having a hard time getting my hands around that. I don't think we've gotten a lot of it's a bad deal. Uh, Okay, you said it's a push. I disagree with that. Right. I think that it's a push or it's a win. You know, well, which lot, one is it? Why, is it multiple think, choice here? Well, I mean, yeah, everything's a multiple choice, and every fan will pick Come the no, option they want. No, it's not. Don't be a fence sitter. It's a good deal. Well, it's it's not, a bad deal. It's not. It's a push. Are either one of them? It is not they, a push. They didn't. Okay, it's not a push. Are they going to re-sign Clarkson next year? Is the world going to exist next year? I mean, come <laughs> on. How do I know that? Okay. <laughs> if they don't re-sign him, then it's a push. And they have a okay. habit of, he gets he helps them to get to the conference finals, and he gets a huge deal next year from some team that the, feels uh, he's the missing piece. So, is that make it a push? No, that would be a win. If, they, if I he mean, we're go hypothetical, them, we can go hypothetical all we want. He gets him the conference final if he's that big a role in getting him the conference final, then that's a win. Win, 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 win. Well, he's not help. I mean, he's not getting them. He's helping them get them. Right, I understand. I really think that with the bench, for all the issues, and I've talked about the bench and the problems since the start of the year, and I think these two moves confirm you have. You, that you're right. And they come, you know, Quinn can only say certain things in the postgame. You've got to read between the lines for the rest of them. He hasn't been happy with the bench play. Now they make these moves. Actions speak louder than words. They agree, even though they don't want to call out individual guys by name, the bench wasn't good enough. The moves they made in the offseason, or, mm-hmm. well, in the case of Exum that they made a couple years ago, they weren't good enough. So you make the next move and you try to make it better. And it's, it's an ongoing process. It's what you said earlier. You know, everybody has hits and everybody has misses. You need to have more hits than misses. Whoever wins the title this year, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, whoever, they've got misses sitting on their bench. Whoever wins mm-hmm. it. But they've got more hits. And when you hit, when you draft Stockton and Malone, you can have a bunch of misses because that hit, those hits carry you for 20 years. Onto DeKembo yeah, is carrying the Bucks. Uh, absolutely. Big T! Onto DeKembo is kid. That's a win. And the free agent acquisitions that the Lakers and Clippers made, you know, those are wins. So 
this is a smaller move around the edge. But what's been hurting the Jazz here in a lot of these games has been that the, the starting group, where the Jazz have gotten hits with some of the guys they've acquired. Obviously, Bogdanovich is a big old enormous win uh, going out and getting him. They've had these runs. The bench comes in. The five-point lead turns into a four-point deficit. Now these guys got to come back in, and it just it keeps happening. And in most fourth quarters, they've been able to in, put that finishing group out there and in the final six to eight minutes win the game. But they'd be much better if the bench could just be yeah. a push. In the past couple of years, uh-huh. they've had benches that they would build the lead with the bench and make it easier for the starters. And it's, it's really been different this year. And it's been harder, and you can just see it on – on Quinn's face during games and hear it in the post game. You got to read between the lines, but it's still there. Yeah, and and I got to I got to admit that to your credit, not to mine, but to yours, you called it before the season even began and I didn't see it as big of a problem, I guess you could call it, as you did. And so you certainly have been dead on with that in the analysis as you had a concern going into the season. It wasn't something that you just looked at uh, three, four weeks later and said, oh, we got a problem here. And for me, I was slower to jump aboard, and I'm certainly there now. Uh, I didn't need convincing but the evidence speaks for itself. It convinced me by just watching it. So that was a fact. That's why I think that they desperately needed some help. And really, who are you going to get for Exum? I mean, right. who's no, available? It's true. It's true. You're not going to get much. And, and maybe Clarkson will do it. And the thing is, and we have plenty of people saying his shot selection is suspect. He doesn't defend. That's up on, on the social media. You can go to DJ and PK and read it. But if he scores a lot, and they score a hoop, and they give up a hoop, and they just trade hoops while the bench is in there, that's going to be a win because they've put most of their money into the starting five, the finishing five, whatever you want to call them. And they've got uh-huh. these guys, yeah. four guys making $85 bucks. Donovan is still in his rookie contract, so he's not part of that. He's not making much money. Um, Royce O'Neal is not making much money either. The other four guys are making quite a bit of money. But when they have some combination of those six guys out there, they're they're borderline bludgeoning teams. So if the bench is just a push, they're going to win way more than they lose. And I don't think we talked at the start of the year. I said if they could get off to a twelve and eight start, you know, if they could even go, you know, twenty four, twenty five wins when they get to mid season. Well, I think 24, 25 is on the low end. I, I think 26 or 27 are certainly doable at this point. So although they've had a problem with the bench, I don't feel like it's sunk the season yet. I wasn't, hey, oh, they're no. going to the Western final. Hey, they're going to be the one seed. I've been saying all along, three seed or 55 wins, and I will plant the flag and declare victory at the end. That will be a clear step up from what they've done the last three years. And I think that's still in play. I can't guarantee they're going to get there. It's in play. You know, we'll see how it goes going forward. But if the bench is better, the odds of getting there go up. Okay, I agree with all that. One of the other things, too, that I liked is for years it's been about building. And I'm happy to say now it's not about building. It's about winning because and not that 27 is uh, old man in rocking chair, but this is a veteran now, particularly when guys – you know, they, they seem that they develop earlier than maybe they had in the past going back over the years. And so you're getting a veteran. And I'm going to give him, in my mind, a fresh start as opposed to, oh, he's got this baggage that he's bringing. He's got that baggage because you're in a new situation here and you're playing with guys that, you know, that we've talked about 
their chemistry and liking one another and that type of stuff. So you got to fit in. You just can't come in and start thinking, you know, you're going to be all that and all that stuff. And so I'm willing to give him a fresh start, as with Exum on the other end, too. You know, something that I think he desperately needed, too. And now he's going to get that, and we'll see if he can have the uh, career that he wants over the coming years. And if he does, says, yeah, okay, yeah, good on him. But the Jazz, you got to win. you got to win now. You know, particularly when you got three guys – of your core who are 30 or over, and that is obviously Ingles and Bogdanovich and Conley, right? And so it's not like you got five years to develop, whereas if Exum kicks it into gear in the next two or three years, all right, good, good for him. But the Jazz need to do stuff to try to win now, and that's what they're trying to do. And if it were so obvious, then nobody would be debating it, and they would have made the move a long time ago. So, yes, there's risk involved. There always is. Everything these guys do, there's risk involved. That's why ding-dongs like you and me have jobs Not so right. we can second-guess them. Yes. Yeah. And and we get it, and they get it. They get what we do, and they don't. They they don't hold it against us in that way. I mean, that's what we're paid to do: is analyze their moves. And some of them are great, and some of them are okay, and some of them stink. So the Jazz make their moves. They're back at it against Portland, and Portland is just—they're really struggling. PK, and I guess it's all measured against uh, expectations. And the expectations for Portland, you know, coming off the year they had were really big, and they lose to the Pelicans 102-94. Uh, this, is, this is a team that is struggling big time. And when the Jazz play them Thursday night, if, if they're going to get to midseason, 26, 27 wins, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the kind of win they got to have. Portland, they've done, a, I don't know, a little better. They're still not back to 500, but they're inching back towards it. But clearly, a couple notches below the Jazz sitting eighth, in the West right now at 14 and 17. That Pelican loss, that's just a big old disappointment. Well, we talked about how the Miami loss for the Jazz is not what you call a bad loss. Literally might be the best loss they've had all season. All right, well, flip that around. I can't say the same if you don't beat Portland. This is a game that you have to win. I mean, you got to start. Well, not start because they've already been doing it, but continue to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and start racking up some victories. I mean, there's a, so they've won five out of six now. There's nothing wrong with winning nine out of ten. In order to get there, this is one of the games you got to have. Well, 9 out of 10 will be tough because they got the Clippers Saturday night. That one, uh, uh-huh. ooh, tough matchup. But they got to win some yeah, of the games. You never know who's available with the Clippers, though. No, you definitely don't. And actually, it's looking now that the Lakers are setting the table here to sit both of their stars for uh, Christmas Day. So that Laker-Clipper game may not, be, uh, may not be all that when we get to it. But anyway. All right, other stuff we have uh, talked about during this show. Uh, expecting a higher scoring game for BYU and Hawaii. This will not be the defensive struggle the San Diego State game was. These two teams ought to go up and down the field. Good, because that San Diego State-BYU game was a little boring for me. (laughs) (laughs) I need some more offense. (laughs) So I I want to see it. Old Cole McDonald, I don't want him to have a farm, but I want the offenses to be doing some stuff to find it to be entertaining. And I think it's a big game for the Cougars, man. I'd love to see them win. And the former Aggie, Robert Turbin, back in the NFL, back with the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks have had two injuries in a week, three injuries in three weeks at running back. So just completely decimated there. They signed Turbin and uh, Marshawn Lynch 
So Seattle have those guys. They're playing San Francisco for the division title, and they're bringing guys who haven't been with the team all year for week 17 of the NFL season. Well, they just parachute in for the biggest games. But Seattle could still – we'll have to see how things shake out. They, there's a chance that they could win that game and get a bye. It seems unlikely. I think more likely they're going to – if they win, they'd be the three seed. But uh, plenty at stake for Seattle to play for here as far as starting the playoffs at home or on the road. Yeah, we'll see if those two guys can do anything, but they need something. And right now, I mean, the backfield offensively for them in terms of the running backs have been devastated. Packers got the win, so they keep the pressure on. Packers, Saints, Niners all tied, uh, battling for first-round buys and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The Packers have their division title. The Saints have theirs. Now it's up to the Niners to, uh, to get theirs, and we'll see how that all sorts out the final week. All right, DJ and PK, that's what we've been talking about this morning, and it is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Good morning, PK and DJ. Love you guys. Been listening to you for years. My take on Exum is I think it's a good move because he was always broken. I'm at work at 6.30 this morning. I'll be up at 6.30 this evening. I'll be drinking my freaking Christmas spirits while cheering on the BYU Cougars, you fake fans. Get out there and support them. Go Cougars! Does get out there mean like get on a plane and go to Hawaii really Apparently, quick? Apparently. Get out right to the now. islands. Get out to the islands and support them. Well, if you could, that'd be great. Time for your feedback brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. We think of uh, Hawaii and we think of uh, sunshine and uh, trade winds and soft breezes and palm trees. But PK, they've been getting a lot of rain out there this month. Weather today is supposed to be pretty good, though, for the game. Yeah, somehow they're getting a break and then it's going to rain on Christmas. Yep. Whatever. Turf field, so they got that going for them. All right, so more feedback, tons of feedback, PK, just tons about the. the Jazz and their moves. Um, and as the moves started flowing out on Twitter at one point, I said, and, J- and Jeff Green's playing time goes to dot, dot, dot. And Michael Steele came back with <laughs> of George Niang just throwing down a big old handful of popcorn. It's uh, kind of hideous yet hilarious at the same time. Uh, Bart says, we will know in two years who won this trade. You know, we go back and judge drafts, but we don't go back and judge trades the same way. Perhaps we should do that. That's a segment waiting to be done, PK. We need to go back and reanalyze years a bunch seems of too trades. Long. Yeah, don't you think we'll know in a year? Well, I think we'll know by the end of the season. I think they're asking Jordan Clarkson to come in and provide help immediately. That's the whole thing I'm talking about. That's what I just said in the prior segment. This is not about building. For years, all the moves were about building. Well... We're done building. It's about winning. I mean, you're always building. That never stops. But the emphasis on winning is much higher up the ladder than it used to be in terms of development. Now it's about winning along with developing because there's always going to be a future and you never want to fall off the map the way Sacramento did after the Divac and Stokovic and Weber and those guys left. They've sucked ever since. You don't want to be in that situation. So certainly you're worried about developing too, 
But to me, trading this kid, even though there's a two-year difference in age, for a veteran, it's about winning now. So I'm going to evaluate it every day he plays. I'm not going to go nuts after one game or one week, but I think the evaluation is ongoing. I don't need to wait two years. In this case, no, that's way too long. Matt, just Matt, tweets at us. Dante had some nice suits. Other than that, other than potential, that's all he contributed. I hope things work out for him. But I'm happy with this trade. And I think I'd that, agree with everything Matt said. And I think that's where most Jazz fans are. They, they don't know how good it's going to be, but they're ready to try something new. And they're hoping it's great, but if not, at least they're trying something. And if that doesn't work, they'll try something else. I think most people are happy to see the Jazz trying something. Okay, yeah, I can buy all that. All right, we're all done here. Merry Christmas to all of you. Merry Christmas, PK. Same to you and yours and uh, Yach, you in there included. Thank and you. And we'll reconvene on Friday morning. Yep, Friday morning. We will, uh, we will be back here live and local, 6 to 10 Friday morning. And we will see you then on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.